I'm praying that it enters into your spirit, into your heart, that it affects every area of your life, that indeed you will claim it and become it. I'm reading the NLT version. I think we've read King James, New King James. Isaiah 11, the Bible says, I'm going to read from verse 1. Now it says, out of the stamp of David's family will grow a shoot. Yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. Somebody say, I'm fruit bearing. And the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He will delight in obeying the Lord. He will not judge by appearance nor make a decision based on hearsay. You want to just pray for yourself that indeed you will, the spirit of the Lord will rest upon you. The spirit of wisdom will rest upon you. The spirit of counsel and might will rest upon you. That the spirit of understanding will rest upon you. The spirit of knowledge will rest upon you. The fear of the Lord above all will be in you and will be your guiding light. A bearing fruit, a bearing fruit Christian, 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 a bearing fruit Christian. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you this evening. We ask that you be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Take your seats. Somebody said, we left the best for last. Oh, tell the person that listened to me, we left the best for last. Hallelujah. I think the Bible told us that, isn't it? Better is the end. Isn't it? Okay. But how many of you know that when it comes to the word of God, there is no end? So, so we'll redefine. Better is the pause of a thing. <laughs> you know? So... We have been treating forgiveness for the last couple of weeks, amen, and a lot of it has been, hasn't been easy to swallow. From your questions and things, Reverend Sam, I can tell that it's not easy to uh, uh, chew it, you understand? It's like a rock that has been put in the mouth. I tell you, I tell you, you know, but I thought that today will end on a very high note, Amen. Somebody say a very, very high note. So today for a very few minutes, we'll be closing early. I don't know how the fast is going for all of us, but it is going. Amen. I think this week has even gone faster. Tomorrow is Thursday. Pastor, am I planning to increase fasting to two weeks a month? I'm asking. It's just a question. They're eyeing me. Pastor, they're eyeing me. They're eyeing me. I just said this thing. They are trying to eye me and intimidate me. Where are they? Where, where are they? I will not even be intimidated. But today we are going to look at the blessings and joy of the forgiven. The blessings and the joy of the forgiven. Because it is about time we appreciate the fact that there is so much joy and blessings in forgiveness. Amen. Hallelujah. I think that is an amazing thing. And the songwriter wrote a song. I don't even know if all of us know how to sing the song. But if you don't know it, you will know it, isn't it? I'm sure they can find the words for us, but yeah. Come and join me. Yeah, you appreciate Father, we thank you. Speak to us, Lord. Minister to us in Jesus' name. I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted, you were condemned, I'm alive and well, your spirit lives within me, because you died and you rose. 
rose again. I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. Because you were forsaken. Oh, I'm accepted. You were condemned. I'm alive and well. Your spirit lives within me. Because you died and you rose again. Amazing love. Amazing love. How can it be that you, my king, that you, my king, will die for me? Amazing love. Amazing love. ourselves that we have been forgiven. I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted. You were condemned. I'm alive and well. A spirit lives within me. Psalm 32, the blessings and joy of forgiveness. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven. Whose, New King James, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones grew old. 
You see that even the Bible knows that this unforgiveness and all these kind of things, it gives you physical illness. My bones grew old. (laughs) Through my groaning all the day long, for day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. We'll look at some of these in the NLT. It's not a joke. I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. For this cause, everyone who is godly shall pray to you in a time when you may be found. Surely in a flood of great waters, they shall not come near him. Amen. You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. They say song like that. Songs of, isn't it? They take a line from everybody. It's very powerful. Christian musicians, they don't have problems. They should study the word. They'll have songs. <laughs> and there's no plagiarizing, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eyes. Yes. How do you know that the eyes, they speak and they give direction and instruction? Those of you who have a certain kind of parent like my own, they can communicate with you in public with their eyes. Somebody will see you stop talking. Somebody will see you stop eating. Somebody will see you change. Nobody will hear what was said, but you saw. (laughs) Do not be like the horse or like the mule, which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with bit and bridle, else they will not come near you. Mercy. May we not be like horses. Gee. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord, mercy shall surround him. So verse 11 says, be glad in the Lord and rejoice with, rejoice you righteous and shout for joy all you upright in Heart. Amen. Here ends the reading of his holy word. Thanks be to God. What a passage. It says that be glad in the Lord and rejoice. Shout for joy. Amen. Amen. Gladness and joy are for those who have been forgiven. Amen. Amen. Number one, every born again Christian is blessed. Because you have been forgiven. Today, it's not about how we can forgive and how we will begin to try. Today, we are going to understand and experience forgiveness that we have taken for granted. Do you understand? Do you know that sometimes when something has been given to you and you see its value, it is easier when you are also given it to know that this is a precious thing. Do you get what I'm saying? Yes. Every born again Christian is blessed. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven. Please give me the NLT because I want some of the verses there from the NLT. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven. That includes those of us in this room. What joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven whose sin is put out of sight. Amen. Tell yourself I'm included. I am included. And you see, you have to see your salvation as a blessing. And you have to see your salvation as a gift. Do you understand? That comes with forgiveness. I think that sometimes as Christians, familiarity steps in very quickly. Because we feel like we didn't do so much to receive salvation. I lifted my hand up or I was by my bedside. I had a message. I was convicted. I made a prayer and I received salvation. So you can easily belittle it. But tonight I want us to appreciate the fact that salvation is a great package. 
Do you understand? And it's a packet that once you receive it, you continue to unravel it every day. It's the blessing and the present that keeps giving. Yes. Every day from the day you get saved, there's blessing in that salvation. Sometimes we, if you have a present and you don't open it, it doesn't mean you don't have a present. It just means that either you've opened it and you're not using the gifts inside. Yes, we were in London this weekend. We got a parcel. I don't know. As we're opening the box, more present things were coming out of the box. I said, <laughs> I have to even go back home and then go and continue opening. Somebody else may have received that box and they got to and said, oh, the package is nice and left it there. Do you understand? So some people have salvation, but they haven't realized that in that salvation is one of the greatest blessings you will ever have. Amen. Tell yourself, I'm blessed. Verse 2 says that blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. One of the things about forgiveness is that deception is taken away from your heart. Amen. Deception. Let's look at it in the NLT, please. You begin to live a completely honest life. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt whose lives are lived in complete honesty. You see, if you don't value the process and what salvation means, you will not completely enjoy it. They say that they live, their lives are lived in complete. So you have to believe it. Do you understand? And, and let it go into your heart that, hey, I am totally free. And in that freedom, you have to become sincere. When they say something is honest, it means it's sincere. You see, there are a lot of Christians who are not sincere because they feel like their sin and things are still within reach. It's still in the neighborhood. But he's saying that what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete. So if you are not living in complete honesty, it means that you don't think that the Lord has cleared all of it. You almost feel like there's remnants. Because with man... There's always remnants. But with God, there's no remnants. With man, they say that even when somebody who is mentally ill is healed, there's always remnants to be used as and when. <laughs> just, just a little bit. But with God, there's no remnants. So from today, you have to acknowledge, accept, and let it go into your spirit and into your heart that I am totally, totally cleansed, totally forgiven. Do you understand? And you see, the reason why, you see, when it says living in complete honesty, it means that whatever the disobedience is, whatever the iniquity is, whatever the sin is, you don't need to become, begin to shade it and give it light colors. A lot of the time, people who even can't share their testimony in totality is because they don't think their guilt is completely. Yeah. I used to sort of drink a little bit. <laughs> Do you understand? Yeah. Especially when they become great men and women of God. Yes. You know, I, I mean, I. And that's why sometimes when, <laughs> when certain things are said. Do you know that somebody told me recently. Somebody was inviting me to come and preach in a certain continent. And people who live in that continent were there when that invitation came. And they thought they would give me advice. And they said the advice they are giving me is that when I come to that continent, I should just try and um, sanitize my preaching a little bit. Because in that country, they are quite conservative. I said, they are not conservative. They are hypocrites. So anything that will affect them directly, they don't want to hear it. Oh, you don't get it? Oh, I am going and there will be no sanitation. <laughs> probably after the first half an hour. <laughs> when I kept silent, my bones grew old. Let's read it from verse 3. When I refused to confess my sins, my body wasted away. And I groaned all day long. Give us the first four. May your body not waste away. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. You will keep waxing stronger and stronger. 
Number three, you keep waxing stronger and stronger. Your bones will not grow weaker because you have been converted, been forgiven. Your strength will not evaporate. Has your strength ever evaporated before? You go and try and exercise. You understand how strength can evaporate. (laughs) Which means that when you build on that salvation, you just only can only get stronger. Sin makes you weaker. Disobedience makes you weaker. Iniquity makes you weaker. The blessing of salvation and forgiveness is that you get stronger and stronger. We always say that the one, you see, forgiveness brings strength. It brings strength to you that you have forgiven. Because that's why a few couple of weeks were saying that because God forgives, he's feared, he's powerful. There is strength for the forgiver and there's strength for the one who has been forgiven. The one who has been forgiven also receives strength. It's not a weak thing. Let's change our mind in thinking that forgiveness is weakness. Forgiveness is strength. Forgiveness empowers. Do you get what I'm saying? Let's look at the next one. Number verse six. For this cause, everyone who is godly. You see, verse five, the last part says that I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of, is that verse five there? Yes. And you forgave me and my guilt is gone. Verse 6. Therefore, let all the godly pray to you while there is still time that they may not drown in the flood waters of judgment. Number 4 is that you become prayerful. You have that blessing. Do you know that it is not everybody who knows that prayer is there? What are people when they have issues, they talk about it, they cry about it, they moan about it, they discuss about it, isn't it? They go looking to people for help. And then there's the one who has been saved and forgiven who knows that he can go and pray. Let the godly pray. Let the forgiven pray. Let those who have received salvation pray. And they will not drown in the flood waters of judgment, guilt. So another blessing for the forgiving is that they don't drown in their guilt. They don't drown. In their sin, they don't drown in their sorrow, they don't drown in their past, they don't drown in their pain. When you are drowning, it's not easy. Sometimes you can see that you are drowning, and there's not a whole lot you can do about it. Do you understand? Prayer keeps you above the water, prayer sustains you. When you don't pray, you can drown. Let the godly pray. Let all the godly pray. Let all the godly pray. Having to realize that one of the most difficult things for Christians is prayer. Especially individual prayer. Individual personal prayer that you are in your room and you are praying for half an hour. You are in your room you are praying for one hour. But it is a gift also that God has given to us. It is one of the joys of forgiveness. Is that we can pray. He says that we can come boldly to the throne of grace because we have received mercy. Prayer is not available for everybody. Do you know that? In fact, a lot of people don't even know of its existence. We have it. It's one of the presents we have that we haven't unwrapped the box. The bow is still on the parcel. <laughs> we are mine. Don't haven't you? I have received presents a few years ago. I believe it was maybe Sally and uh, Charity. I don't know. They, they, they gave me, it must have been Mother's Day or something. They gave me this thing and the, the whole thing was set up in a bath, uh, the shape of a bath. And in it had all the, you know, things that you, the shower dealt, came, what, uh, all the nice things inside a bath, a golden bath. And it has been decorated. How are you going to unwrap that? It took me a few years before I decided that this thing must die. <laughs> it can't be for decoration. At some point, it has to be. But it was parceled so nicely that you don't want to pull the ribbon and you don't want to spoil the look of it. And if you take one bottle or something out, it's not the same. But it's a gift there to be used. Prayer is not a fashion accessory. Prayer is not just a concept. Prayer is not a statement. Pra- do you understand? Prayer is a doing thing. 
Do you understand? It's, something, it's like somebody gives you food. You have to eat it. Can't be passing by the chocolate up and down, up and down, up and down. Do you, do you understand? It's dead. You break a piece, you chew. You break a piece, you chew. You break a piece. Tell somebody about you pray. So tell the person tomorrow at 5.30, wake up. <laughs> tell the person that wake up tomorrow, wake up, wake up, don't. I believe that when you pray, that they may not drown in the flood waters. Yeah. When your prayer life is going now, you see how easily things affect you. You see how easily the arrows reach you. You see, the arrows, they always come. Prayer is the one that blocks them. Prayer is the one that lets the effect not be so sharp. When you are prayerless, they throw you catch. See, when you're prayerful, even when it comes, sometimes you can take it and throw it back. Begin to see prayer. Begin to imagine prayer in a certain way. I always tell you people that the devil is doing his job. You should stop highlighting him, emphasizing him, elevating him. Do you understand? He goes to work, gets his job done. His masters are happy with him. We too, we have to get up and do our job. Let the godly pray. Why is it that when it comes to prayer, we have to cajole, we have to encourage? Yes. And you see, the kind of prayer of I, uh, Lord, my breakthrough, Lord, my breakthrough. You see, those are selfish prayer. It's okay to pray them, but if that is the only time you are anointed for prayer comes, something is wrong. You haven't noticed. You know, the last couple of years, pre-COVID, COVID, post-COVID, you know, there's so much prayer, and we thank God that there's so much prayer. But even in the Christendom, you can realize that the kind of prayers a lot of people will tune into is the one that, you know, receive, receive, receive. You know, Pastor Sam told me something. Uh, when was it? Where did we go? Where were we went? We went somewhere. He, some, he tells me things. He messes me up. He gives me bad advice. You know, shows me bad examples. And I mean, yeah. Yeah, it was you. <laughs> I can't remember where we were or what we were listening to. <laughs> you know, and then I either we're listening to something or we're somewhere and the person was teaching. Where were we? Anyway, so the pastor was <laughs> the pastor was saying that. Receive your new car. Receive your new house. And what was the last? Receive a visa to travel. And then Pastor Sam whispered to me and said, that, you see, that means that those who have already got visa, got car, got house. This is not just. <laughs> and, and apart from that, he's saying that if you were somewhere praying for visa, this, it means that when you get a visa and arrive wherever you're going, you don't need to go to church again. Because all your years in church was because you are waiting for the visa. So when you arrive, the visa prayer goes down, but you will still be praying for car and house. When the car and house comes, That's all. somebody say mercy. Mercy. Have we seen how pathetic and, and how weak, how weak we make Christianity? Do, do you get what I'm saying? Yes, and it's really sad because when the house, car, and what was the third one? Visa comes and we ignore God. Then years come and then you realize that sickness. Mm, I forgot about that one. Then we have to come back and find God. May we not be selfish Christians. Let me give you one more. Let's go on. Verse 7. You are my hiding place. Let's read NLT. For you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. Wow. You know, we looked at the verse 11. It said that we'll have gladness, we'll have joy. You know, verse 10, it says that sorrow will be taken away. But verse 7, it says that, verse 8 says, I will instruct you and teach you. I will guide you 
with my eyes. I mean, I was thinking about it that I don't know what guides us, but the scripture is saying that I will instruct you. We'll come back to verse 7 in a minute. I want to finish with that. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. So we are going to have guidance through instructing and teaching. That's his word. Then he says, I will guide you with my eyes. That's the Holy Spirit. An inner knowing. An inner sense. But you have to be at a certain place for that to work. That's why it says you are my, that's why the verse 7 comes before the guiding with the eye. It says that you are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. What, where is that hiding place? God hides those he has saved. Those he has forgiven. Psalm 27 verse 1. I'll read the NLT. Verse 1, verse 4, and verse 5. It says that the Lord is my light and my salvation. So why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger. So why should I tremble? The one thing, we'll come and read verse 4, but you see, the Lord is my light and my salvation. So the Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger. So why should I tremble? It means that where God hides you, nothing can touch you there. He preserves us from trouble, from storms, from winds. Psalm 32, verse 1 and 6, it says that, look, a righteous king is coming. How many of us know that our Jesus is righteous? And honest princes will rule under him. Each one will be like a shelter from the wind and a refuge from the storm. Like streams of water in the desert and the shadow of a great rock in a patch land. Then everyone who has eyes will be able to see the truth. And everyone who has ears will be able to hear it. May you see and hear even the hot heads will be full of sense and understanding. <laughs> Those who stammer will speak out plainly. In that day, ungodly fools will not be heroes. <laughs> I mean, if you are foolish and ungodly. Scandals will not be respected. For fools will speak foolishness. It means why people speak wisdom, isn't it? Sense speaks sense. Fools speak foolishness. And make evil plans. They practice ungodliness and spread false teachings about the Lord. They deprive the hungry of food and give no water to the thirsty. That's why God will hide you. Because you have to hunger and thirst for the right things. You have to hear the right things. See the right things. Speak the right things. Hunger for the right things. Otherwise, we'll follow ungodly fools. You see what, how it is important to hide where God has hidden you. And that's why I didn't read the verse 4 and 5. Psalm 27, verse 4 and 5, the Bible says that the one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple, for he will conceal me there. When trouble comes, he will hide me where in his sanctuary, he will place me out of reach on a high rock. You have no idea that the house of God is a safety net for you. One of the places God hides you is in the house of God. You become out of reach. You become out of coverage area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, they are trying to find your antenna. They can't find it. They are trying to find your frequency. They can't find it. Haven't you realized that in your seasons of backsliding, everybody can catch you? The ungodly fools, they find you. Now, when, now next time somebody is misbehaving, tell the person I saw you in the scripture. <laughs> you are an ungodly fool, says the Lord. <laughs>
Verse 5. <laughs> he will hide you. How else does he hide us? Exodus 33. I read from verse 19 to 22. The Lord said, I will make all of my goodness pass in front of you. So this was Moses' encounter with the Lord. And I will announce my name. The Lord in front of you. I will have mercy on whom I have mercy. And I will show love to those I love. How many of us know that God has shown us mercy? But you can't see my face. He said, no one can see me and stay alive. The Lord continued and said, there is a place near me where you can stand. You see why you shouldn't go away far from God? You see that you shouldn't let anybody, anything, any situation, any circumstance make you go far from God. There is a place near him just for you. Yeah, that's your blessing of forgiveness. And one of the places he hides you is near him. How many of you know that if you see a wild dog that looks, hey, where did I? Today I went to some offices. And then I went to, so it's an um, a, 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 a industrial complex. So there are different offices. And then I couldn't find where I was going. So I saw a glass door. So I thought, if I go and ask, and they might show me. Reverend Sam, I'm not joking. Reverend William, Pastor Michael, I'm not joking. The wisdom, the only wisdom I had is that I didn't try the door. I tried to see if there was a bell. But for some reason, something caught my eye. Right behind the glass door, the dog was like from here to here, <laughs> lying quietly. And then I saw that they wrote that, uh, beware of the bull. <laughs> I said, what work do these people do in this place? You have care home, you have this, you have solid, you have this. This business, what any to, and at the side of it, there's a church. The church shares a wall with this bulldog. How many of you know that the people in there, because of the, that dog there, they don't even have to even lock that door? If you like. Enter. Yes. They, they said there's a wild, I wanted to take a picture of the screen. They said there's a wild bulldog. Beware. Yes, and it wasn't hidden. It's the reception. So there's no receptionist. That's the reception. He's lying there. If you like asking question, <laughs> I'm here to see his line there. Yeah. You see, that is how the enemy should see you. He's coming to knock at your door. You will see the wild bulldog lying there. God says, I have a place near me. Some of us, we are so far away. Even when we say there's a bulldog, is a with bulldog. He says, when my glory passes by, I will put you in an opening in the rock. I will cover you with my hand until I have passed. I will put you inside the rock. Somebody wants to come. Who is the rock? They have to go to Christ and see if they can come through you. We don't value. That is why fear comes over us so easily. That is why we get so overwhelmed in situations and challenges. Because we don't know that we are in the cleft of the rock. It's very easy. You know, honestly, the church has elevated Satan so much. Because we don't realize that we actually have the bulldog. <laughs> a wild, a wild. Is there anybody who is wilder than our God? Did Satan create anything? He, Satan, was created. He's part of the creation. How can we then put more fear in the creation, one of the creation, than the one who creates? Begin to assess how you pray. Begin to assess how you study the word. Begin to assess how you receive the word of God and the things you put emphasis on. Even sometimes it's because we don't have that much faith in God. That's why certain prayers are so strong than certain prayers. The prayers of fear are stronger. Let me give you one or two more and then we'll go. 
Psalm 31. You read verse 19 to 21. Another hiding place. You read NLT. It says, how great is the goodness you have stored up for those who fear you. You lavish it on those who come to you for protection. Blessing them before the watching world. You hide them in the shelter of your presence. Safe from those who conspire against them. You shelter them in your presence. Far from accusing tongues. Praise the Lord for he has shown me the wonders of his unfailing love. He kept me. Sorry. Psalms 31 verse 19 to 20. He kept me safe when my city was under attack. God's presence is a hiding place. God's presence. That is why you, when we say create an atmosphere in your home, create an atmosphere in your room, create an atmosphere wherever you are, create an atmosphere. When your earphones are in your ears, who is present there? He kept me safe when my city was under attack. He says, you shelter me in your presence far from accusing tongues. See, when people have said something about, some of you, even if somebody says you, you see what will happen to you, then you shake. Accusing tongues, you are afraid of them. When you have the presence of God, when the bulldog is present, then you are afraid. His presence, his presence is not for goosebumps. His presence is not supposed to make you emotional. It goes way beyond that. His presence is supposed to be your shelter, your hiding place. You are supposed to locate yourself in his presence. And the beauty about the omnipresence is that it's everywhere. You see, when you want to come to the presence of the queen or our king or whatever, it's a place. Until you're going to Parkham Palace, I'm going to, you're going to Westminster. But when it comes to your God, your savior, his presence is everywhere. We are the one. Do you, do you know that even in, when you are sinning, he's there. But your sin hides him from you. But it's not that he's not there. If you take the sin away and you bring the word open, you realize that he's actually there. But he's always been there. When you can't even hear him, when you feel that God has not answered your prayer, he's there. When you feel that things are slow, he's there. When you think that the situation is not getting better, he's there. You see, any Christian who becomes sensitive to the presence of God, you deliver yourself. It's not easy to sin. If you know that I am sitting there as Pastor Gloria, me, me and man, I'm sitting there. Will you take off your trousers and try and okay. uh, uh, sleep with somebody? Oh, okay. When you just, if, you, if I'm sitting there. Okay. <laughs> I don't care how drunk you are, how overwhelmed you are, how uh, sexually aroused you are. There's the fact that nothing will even rise. <laughs> but if it is God, because you don't feel his, you feel like you don't feel his presence. And because, why are you people changing my message? Focus, 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 focus. <laughs> Reverend, why are they trying to spoil my message? Have I said anything wrong? <laughs> Have I said anything wrong? that the presence of God is everywhere. Where can I go from your presence? Hebrews tells us that there's everything is open and naked before him with whom we have to do. It means that where no man can see, God can see. Yes, he says in the fire I'm with you. He's dead. Which means that in the good place I'm with you. In the bad place I'm with you. When you're sinning I'm with you. When you're doing something good I'm with you. When you're crying I'm with you. Every time his presence is with you. is for the forgiven. God's presence, you don't have to fight for it. It's yours. Do you understand? It's yours. He wants you, he wants to embrace you even more. But he says your sin has separated. So it means that the forgiveness that has been forgiven you maximizes its use. Let me try and give you one more story. Psalm 119. How many of us are going to stay in that hiding place? 
my hiding place, my safe refuge, my treasure, Lord, you are my friend and king, anointed one, most My safe refuge, my treasure, Lord, you are my friend and king, anointed one, most God is your source. One one three eight one one eight. Look at the great blessings we have. Thank God we are forgiven. One one three to one one eight. He says that I hate those with divided loyalties, but I love your instructions. You are my refuge and my shield. Your word is my source of hope. What is your source of hope? Get out of my life, you evil-minded people. See that you have to be particular about the people you draw beyond a certain parameter. Do you understand? There are certain people who have to be there. But you can determine how far. I was listening to Jerry Savell. Is it Jerry Savell? The third one. The other one is what? Jesse Duplant. So he was sharing a testimony. I think during COVID time or something. He got a stroke. And he was literally totally paralyzed. And he realized that some of the people who were coming around with their good wishes were also not people with any faith. So they were like, oh, this kind of wheelchair is the best. This one, this kind of, you know. So at a point he realized that in this particular season where he was trusting God for healing, there were certain people who had to get out of his life. Some of us, we are not enjoying the benefits of the forgiveness because we still have evil-minded people too close. They either help us with evil encourage us with evil or lead us into evil get out of my life get out of my life some of us haven't we seen how our financial situation does not seem to change you see sometimes it's not bad people but if you have a friend who always wants to shop and always you have to go with them to the shop and you were not originally planning to spend money and once you get to the shop you end up even shopping more than those who had planned to go to the shop there are people that you have to get out of your life when it comes to shopping. So you give them a permanent answer. Yeah. I remember when we, 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 we came to Leeds at the earlier stages and there were a lot of people around that we got to know gradually. We met people. And then very quickly, most of them also dropped off as friends very, very quickly. Because remember I know they meant well. You get phone call those who there's special offer at Costco. Oh, there's special there's a Tesco. There's major at hey. So when they got their first like 20 notes from me, they realized that this woman she's not serious. 
So your whole life, you are looking for where the deals are in the city. And all of them, when you go to their homes and go to their garages, it's full. Full of things that they're going to buy from their shop because it was half price. Buy one, get one. And it's not one of a can. Boxes. What are you going to do with it? So I'm saying that it's not necessary that a person is a bad person. But in a particular area of your life, somebody may not be the right person to hang out with. Sometimes it's on your faith. Somebody may be really good to him. They may have helped you. But they are godless. They are atheists. You cannot, when it comes to your Christianity, it won't work. Even though they may be kind. Get out of my life. See, Christians, we have to become violent in the places that we should become violent. When we, every time, Satan, we bind you. We shoot you. There are people close by, things close by that you are not shooting and taking out. So, the devil is tired of you. For I intended to obey the commands of my God. So you see, the psalmist the is trying to tell us that when the evil people are there, you can't obey God. That's why he's saying, get out of my life. Lord, sustain me as you promised that I may live. Do not let my hope be crushed. Sustain me and I'll be rescued. Then I will meditate continually on your decrees. But you have rejected all who stray from your decrees. They are only fooling themselves. Amen. Without God, we can do nothing. Without God, we can do nothing. Of ourselves, we can do nothing. The earlier you come to realize that the one who has forgiven you is the same one who can sustain you. And it's the same one that you have to stay close by. My prayer is that as we enter into the next month of September, the concept of forgiveness, because you see, one of the things Reverend taught us and we learned all through for, is the fact that it's not a momentary thing. It's, not, it's a lifestyle. It's, it's, we have to live in God's forgiveness that he has given to us. And you can't go far. I don't care how rich your parents are. If you decide that you are going to be a wayward child and you walk out, there will be no difference. You're saying that my parents are rich does not bless you. You have to stay close. You have to value God's presence. You have to value, he says that the sanctuary, you see, one of the, haven't you realized that one of the first things the devil tries to take away from you is the house of God. You lose your job, the house of God. You fail your exam, the house of God. You are going through marital issues. That particular one, I don't understand. Because husband and wife, you are fighting at home. But you say you won't come to church because you see your wife or you see your husband. You are seeing them at home. See how the devil did that. Let's rise up onto our feet.